0: Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you here on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I know that this is a little bit of whiplash. and reminds us what it was like a year and a half ago when we initially went to virtual church only. But as Alex said, our highest priority is to make sure that we're protecting everyone's safety and health. And so I don't know how long we'll be doing this, but the uh, Omicron variant of the, the virus that we're all dealing with uh, is highly contagious. So we wanna be extra careful about making sure that we're not contributing to spreading it. That's the bad news. The good news is because it's so contagious, it appears to be receding as quickly as it spread in those countries where it first started. So our prayer is that this will only last uh, a few weeks and not necessarily several months like it did last time. In any case, we're going to be right here every Sunday at 11 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook, and we're looking forward to continuing our worship every Sunday morning with you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about a, a, a second part of the Christmas story. This is the story of Jesus as he grows older as a boy and visits the temple. It's a familiar story. But as usual, I'm going to encourage you perhaps to look at it a little bit differently. But before we jump into the text, I want to invite you to just wherever you are, join with me for a moment of prayer. Let's ask God to join us as we read through this passage and to speak to our hearts today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today, for this opportunity for us to gather online to join together in worship and fellowship Wherever we might be, we ask that you would use this passage today from the Gospel of Luke to uh, speak life into our hearts, bring hope, where, whatever we might be struggling with or, or suffering from, and, and also uh, a sense, God, a better sense of how it is that we live into the message of the Gospel that is embodied by the Christmas story. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, our story today comes from Luke chapter 2, so open your Bibles if you have one to Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up this story in uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Like I said, this is a familiar story. It's a story of Jesus visiting the temple. I'm going to read through it first with you, and then I want to just invite you to uh, pay attention to what seems new to you. Maybe like you, oftentimes when I read these familiar stories, I find that I notice things that I never noticed before. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to really open your hearts to seeing something or hearing something that you haven't heard before and invite God to speak something fresh into your life. Picking up in verse 41 says this, now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. And assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And then they started to look around for him amongst their relatives and friends. And when they didn't find him, they freaked out. That's actually not what it says, but that's essentially... What it says it says, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. So they had traveled a day's journey outside of Jerusalem when they discovered that Jesus wasn't with them. Sometimes we can wonder how it is that good parents wouldn't know that their child wasn't with them for an entire day. But of course, Jesus would have been traveling with a caravan of friends and family. Uh, And neighbors from where they were living out of the country who all would have been Jewish and they all would have traveled back to Jerusalem for this festival would not have been uncommon for this entire group of people traveling together for kids to be hanging out with other friends or family members. In any case, it was a whole day into the journey before they realized that Jesus was missing, which meant that they had to turn around and travel an entire day back just to go back and look for him. Let's pick it up again in verse 46. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. And then he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human stature. Your Bible might say uh, something different. It might say that he increased uh, in wisdom and stature or increased in maturity, uh, but essentially the idea here at the end is that Jesus gains something from this interaction. I think oftentimes we read this story through the lens of Jesus as the incarnate God. Jesus is the boy God. God made and when we read the story that way, it sounds a little bit like one of those old Disney films, Parent Trap, where all the adults are idiots, all the children are incredibly smart. The entire plot of the whole story sort of hangs on these obtuse parents not really getting what's going on around them. And what they really need are these incredibly clever and smart and wise children to show them the way. I think oftentimes that's exactly how we read this passage. Jesus is God, and of course, he's up to something that Mary and Joseph can't understand. They just don't get that Jesus is so special. But that's not how I read this story at all. In fact, at the end of this story, what I see is that it's not so much Mary and Joseph that grow, but rather it's Jesus who grows. Verse 52 is the last sentence in the story, and it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in divine and human favor. Jesus is the one who experiences growth in this example. In fact, I think what's happened here is that we find out something important about Jesus as a boy, and that is that he was a Torah nerd. Jesus was a certified prodigy, an expert in the knowledge of the Torah. He was so excited to be at the temple that when his parents decided to leave, he decided to stay behind so that he could talk to the experts in the law. Those people who were probably his heroes. Going to the temple was probably the highlight of Jesus's year. He was such a Bible nerd. I have a brother who is much younger than me. He's 18 years younger than me. And when he was a kid, he was a Legos nerd. Like he was that kid that every Christmas he got Legos, he got a, you know, Star Wars Legos kit, or he got Lord of the Rings Legos kits. He got every conceivable Legos kit you could get because he just couldn't get enough Legos. And when he was young, our family moved, his family at the time, I was grown and out of the house, but he was still living at home. And our family moved from Utah to Carlsbad, California, where he soon discovered to his absolute amazement, that there was an entire amusement park made of Legos in Carlsbad. Going to Legoland for my younger brother, Drew, was like Jesus going to the temple when he was 12 years old. He couldn't believe his luck. And he would go there and explore the entire park, he'd get lost there for hours, and he would have been perfectly happy for the rest of our family to leave him at Legoland forever. I think that's exactly what happened here. Jesus is such a prodigy about the Bible. He's such a Torah nerd that he is ecstatic to be at the temple. And when his parents leave, he's perfectly happy to stay behind. But the problem is, even though Jesus was very knowledgeable, he wasn't yet very wise. He didn't realize that when he stayed behind at the temple to talk to his heroes in the faith, that he was harming his parents, that he was going to cause them incredible anxiety. Even though Jesus was a Bible nerd, he hadn't yet grown up in his ability to be wise about other people. I love how in verse 52 when it says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, or in my Bible it says in wisdom and in years, This passage in verse 52 couples the concept of wisdom with Jesus's bodily growth. The Greek word here for stature or years literally means maturity. It means that even though Jesus had a lot of knowledge, he still had a lot of growing to do. I love this because this story I think perfectly illustrates the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Jesus had a boy, had a a lot of knowledge. Knowledge is something that you can gain by choice. Ignorance and knowledge are, in fact, a decision that we make every single day. We can overcome our ignorance simply by gaining information. And Jesus attended to gaining information about God through the Torah every single day. But wisdom is not something that you can directly gain by choice. Wisdom comes from experience. Wisdom is not a choice we make. It is something that lives in our bodies. Wisdom and foolishness are built into our muscles and our bones and our tendons based on the experiences we have in our lives. You know, I'm old enough to remember that in high school, driver's education was a mandatory class that you actually got credit for. As a kid, I couldn't believe I got credit for taking a class about how to drive a car, and I figured I didn't need to take the class. I'd been riding in cars my entire life. I'd been, as a kid, sitting behind the wheel while the car was parked in the driveway, pretending to drive it, flipping the switches, turning on the cigarette lighter and lighting my candy cigarettes, you know, pretending to drive. And then when I finished my driver's education course, I had learned a lot from books about how to drive a car, but I still... Despite all of that time spent riding in cars and pretending to drive and learning from a book about what it takes to drive a car, I still didn't know how to drive a car. The first time I drove a car, I thought my driving instructor was going to have a heart attack. Because driving is something that you can't do from knowledge. It's something that you can only do from your body, from a place of wisdom. Our bodies literally take over our ability to drive cars. When was the last time you got into your car and you drove somewhere familiar and you were halfway there before you realized that your mind had wandered, you'd been thinking about other things, and yet you still managed to stop at all the red lights and you still managed to make the right turns because your body knew where you were going? This is, I think, the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And here's the thing about that. Christianity is not a knowledge tradition. It's a wisdom tradition. Christianity isn't about what we know, it's not about what we read, it's not about what we learn in school, or even about what we learn here in church when we gather together and we hear people share these things. Christianity is an embodied experience. We are either wise or foolish in our faith based in large part on how we have experienced our faith, how we have lived it out every single day. Jesus learned that lesson on this day. Jesus had a lot of knowledge, but he didn't have a whole lot of wisdom until his mother showed up and dressed him down in front of his heroes. Until she said, What have you been doing? You have caused your father and I incredible anxiety all these three days. The reason I know that Jesus learned this lesson from his mother is because after telling us how incredibly knowledgeable Jesus was, after Mary dresses him down in front of his heroes, scripture tells us, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was obedient to them. It wasn't until after he experienced this moment of realizing that what he had done hurt his parents that he learned how to be obedient. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. The author of Hebrews tells us about Jesus. Even though he was the son of God, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. It's no different for you and I. Our faith can be based entirely on knowledge, based entirely on what we read, what we think, what we debate, or it can be embedded in our bodies by what we experience together in solidarity for those who need the good news. That's how we live out our faith. This is my Christmas gift to you, by the way, today. A more human Jesus. When we open the words of the Gospels, when we open these pages of the Bible, and we read about the things that Jesus did with his muscles and his bone and his flesh, that we would learn to lean into the way that even he learned wisdom by the things that he experienced and suffered. Jesus needed time and experience to grow in wisdom, and so do you and I. Today, I want to invite you this year to begin to lean in, in 2022, to what it means to grow, not just in knowledge, but in wisdom. That's what we'll be doing as a church. We'll be focusing for the first several months of next year on what it means for us to embody the wisdom of the gospel in our lives every day. I want to invite you to join with us on that journey. Would you just pray with me one last time before we worship together again? God, we thank you again for these words, for this passage. We thank you for the way in which the story of Jesus always seems to challenge us to invite us down a path of growing closer to you, growing deeper in both knowledge and wisdom. We ask God that you would open up our hearts and minds to see new opportunities for growing in wisdom this year as we continue to navigate such difficult times in our lives and in our society. We ask that you would not let these lessons go in vain, However difficult this pandemic has been, however much we or our family members or friends have suffered, that we would be able to take those experiences and gain wisdom from them so that we can be liberated by the gospel and we can help liberate others through it. We pray all this
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church welcome to our pajama sunday can you see these fun pajamas we've all got some fun pajamas on so thank you for joining us today we've got a few couple quick announcements the first one is if you are new we would love to connect with you you can go ahead and scan this qr code that you're seeing on your screen or you can visit our website and fill out the connect form we'd love to get to know you love to hear from you and welcome you to our little family next up we are not in person anymore as you can see we are well i guess you can't see there's no one really here but us but we are now streaming all of our services online on facebook and youtube every sunday at 11 a.m so you can still catch all of our amazing services but we will not be in person for the next couple of weeks we're going to see how everything goes our main priority is to keep you safe. Next up, we have our book club coming up. Our book club for this coming month is called Woke Church, a current call for Christians in America to confront racism and injustice. This is by Dr. Eric Mason, and this is a great book for anyone who wants to dive into these topics of racism and justice, how we can move forward as a church and solve it, well, at least address it in our own way. So this starts January 6th, 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. And lastly, we are in the middle of our year-end fund drive. This happens every December. Many of you know we don't talk about money too much here, but every December we do because this is where we raise 20% of our budget. So we are about halfway at our goal. We've raised almost $14,000 out of $25,000. And so we are really, really looking forward to the next five days to hopefully reach that goal. This goal helps us do what you're seeing right now. It helps us feed people at the pantry. This year alone, we probably gave around 50-plus gifts to kids, 30 gift cards. I mean, all of this comes from you and your support. So thank you for that. And if you can, please head on over to OceansideSanctuary.org give to help us reach our goal for the end of the year. Fun drive. And we will see you soon.